chapter six of dr luttrell's first patient by rosa newshed carey this librivox recording is in the public domain i remind you of someone the fire in the flint shows not till it be struck timon of athens although marcus had other visits to pay and would not be back until quite late olivia sat up for him on pretence of finishing dot's pelisse but to her disappointment he had very little to tell her on his return mr gaythorne had been tired and out of spirits and he had had no inducement to prolong his visit he had not read olivia's note only placed it beside him perhaps he was a shade more civil than usual observed marcus dryly but his manners certainly want mending could you not illuminate that motto livy manners maketh man and we would frame it and give it him as a christmas present but olivia could not be induced to see the joke mr gaythorne was still an old dear and the perfume of his flowers was sweet to her marcus would have wondered if he had intercepted one of the searching glances that were reading him so acutely those deep-set melancholy eyes could pierce like a gimlet sometimes a vivid blue light seemed to dart from them when master has one of his awful looks on i dare not face him phoebe would say and mrs crampton conscious as she was of rectitude and the claim of long and faithful service felt there were limitations to her intercourse with her master once and only once had she ventured on a tabooed subject and had retired from the room with her comely face quite pale with fear i thought he would have struck me she said to her confidant the middle-aged housemaid or that he would have had a fit i should have one myself if i ever tried it on again but i never will rebecca i will take my oath of that master has an awful temper when he is drove wrong returned rebecca primly i don't wonder at mr alwyn myself i don't hold with keeping too tight a hand over a young man it fairly throttles all the goodness out of them he was none so bad that he would not have done better if only he had had a word of encouragement instead of all those flouts and jibes those are exactly my sentiments becky returned mrs crampton wiping her eyes with her snowy frilled apron and having a boy of my own bless him i am a pretty fair judge tom was a pickle before he went to sea but neither his poor father nor me ever cast it at him he ran away and took the queen's shilling though it nigh broke our hearts well he is a sergeant now and polly makes him a good wife and all's well that ends well but i must be looking after master's supper and mrs crampton bustled away to her duties olivia took her flowers round to aunt madge as soon as her household duties 
were done in the morning mrs broderick who had had a sleepless night of pain looked more worn and languid than usual but she brightened up at the sight of the flowers and poked her long nose into the heart of a rose with an air of rapt enjoyment but the next moment she frowned livy she said severely i am extremely angry how dare you be guilty of such extravagance even if it be my birthday don't i know what these exquisite flowers must have cost then olivia's face fell a little oh aunt madge i had no idea it was your birthday and i've brought you nothing nothing at all do let me explain and then mrs broderick listened with much interest to olivia's recital the flowers are even sweeter than i thought them she said pleasantly and her face flushed a little i thought the day would be so blank and that i should just lie here missing fergus he always made such a fuss on my birthdays they were red-letter days to him and now this friendly message has come to me give me my writing-case livy i must scrawl a few lines to your old gentleman and she refused to dictate the note to olivia my dear sir she wrote do you know what you have done you have given a poor invalid a very happy day your beautiful flowers have come to me like a lovely message of sympathy and goodwill from an unknown friend if you were ever sad and lonely if life has not always been easy to you it will sweeten your solitary hours to know that you have given enjoyment to a crippled sufferer to-day is my birthday the forty-sixth milestone on my life's journey during a long wakeful night of pain i have been counting up past blessings and the new day seemed a blank to me and then your flowers came and i thanked god and took courage dear sir i remain yours gratefully margaret broderick widow that was one of aunt madge's fads one of her harmless little peculiarities to sign herself in that fashion there is so much in the word widow she would say if it were not for seeming odd or making people smile i would always sign myself fergus's widow instead of my proper name but nothing could induce her to send even a note without that curious signature olivia could not quite get over her grievance of forgetting aunt madge's birthday it was so horrid of me she said with a long face but anyhow i will come to tea no dear not to-day returned mrs broderick quietly to-morrow deb and i will be delighted to welcome you and deb shall bake some shortbread and scones marcus might come too it is long since i saw him but why not to-day dear aunt madge persisted olivia rather curiously fergus and i always spent the day alone together and i keep up the custom still returned mrs broderick in a dreamy voice he never gave me his present until the evening and it was always such a grand surprise his last present to me was that revolving book-table how splendid i thought it and what a comfort it has been to me all these years don't look so serious livy i don't mean to be dull i never am but i like to fancy that on my birthday i have fergus near me still and 
nothing that olivia could say would shake her resolution olivia hesitated to repeat her visit to galveston house and when she consulted marcus he advised her to wait a little we must not be too pushing i dare say one of these days mr gaythorne will send you another message he is rather ailing and out of sorts just now and inclined to bristle up at a word but though marcus laughed in this way he had not found his berth an easy one mr gaythorne was often irritable and the least contradiction even the assertion of an opinion would ruffle him once when marcus had proposed discontinuing his evening visits mr gaythorne had appeared quite affronted if i can afford to pay for medical advice i suppose i may be allowed to have it he had returned testily of course if your time is too valuable but marcus flushing at the covert sneer answered in his quick straightforward way i wish it were more valuable but as i have no wish to pick your pocket i thought it would be only honest to tell you that the evening visit is no longer necessary very well then we will regard it in the light of a luxury returned mr gaythorne a little less grimly by the by dr luttrell i want to ask you if you will kindly let me have your account at the end of the month monthly payments are my rule if it will not inconvenience you marcus assured him he was quite ready to meet his wishes olivia who had few amusements often thought longingly of that beautiful winter garden and wished to revisit it she had described it so vividly and graphically to aunt madge that mrs broderick declared she could picture it exactly she was never weary of hearing her niece's description i feel as though my world were enlarged and that i had got a new friend she said one day and olivia was amused to hear that the faded flowers had been carefully pressed she was much delighted then when one raw foggy november morning marcus brought her a message mr gaythorne felt himself better and would be very pleased if mrs luttrell would give him an hour that afternoon her visit was a very pleasant one the yellow fog outside had been extremely depressing but as she stepped into the hall the whole house seemed brightly illuminated mr gaythorne who was on crutches met her at the head of the staircase he had discarded his dressing-gown and wore a black velvet coat that became him still better the conservatory lighted up by lamps cunningly concealed among the foliage looked more like fairyland than ever and the deep easy chairs with their crimson cushions were deliciously inviting her admiration seemed to gratify mr gaythorne and as he pointed out his favourite flowers and descanted on their habits and peculiar beauties olivia listened with such intelligent interest and asked such sensible and pertinent questions that he was drawn insensibly into giving her a botanical lesson they were so engrossed with their subject that it was almost an effort to break off when coffee was brought mrs crampton had sent up a profusion of dainty cakes and as olivia drank her coffee and feasted on the various delicacies the one drawback to her pleasure was that marcus was not there to share it 
at this present moment he was in some slum or other supplementing the labours of the overworked parish doctor how surprised dr luttrell would have been if he could have seen the transformation in his patient's appearance the lean cadaverous face had lost its fretful look the melancholy dark eyes had grown bright and vivid the slow precise voice had waxed animated and even eloquent as he discoursed learnedly on his floral treasures flowers butterflies and birds were his great hobbies and his magnificent collections had been gathered from all parts of the world he had been a great traveller in his early manhood i have been everywhere and seen everything he said once towards the end of the afternoon olivia had been much touched by a little incident she had asked him a question about a curious cactus if you will come with me my dear he had answered i could show you a better specimen and then a dull red had risen to his forehead excuse me mrs luttrell i forgot whom i was addressing and-and you but here he checked himself oh do finish your sentence she said in her bright persuasive voice you were going to say that i remind you of some one and as he met her kind friendly glance his shy stiffness relaxed yes he said simply and a great sadness came into his eyes you remind me of my daughter that first evening when you spoke to me you reminded me of her then and you have lost her oh i am so sorry does it pain you to speak of her i should so like to know her name her name was olivia he returned slowly but we always called her olive she was born at beirut under the syrian sun and in the land of grey olive trees how strange what a curious coincidence returned young mrs luttrell softly that is my name too and marcus often calls me olive and i remind you of her yes olive spoke in just that brisk cheerful manner she was so full of life and energy she died of fever at rome we were staying there she was only two and twenty and she was to have been married that summer her poor mother never got over the shock before the autumn she had followed her oh how sad how dreadfully sad observed olivia with tears in her eyes what a tragedy to live through and her poor lover too oh yes arbuthnot he was bitterly cut up he is a judge now and has a good wife but i doubt if he has ever forgotten olive she was no beauty but she had a way with her stay i will show you her picture poor man no wonder he looks melancholy thought olivia as he slowly hobbled away on his crutches how strange that i should remind him of her and that she should be olive too but when mr gaythorne returned and placed a beautiful miniature before her she could see no resemblance to herself in the dark sweet face of olive gaythorne no she was not beautiful but there was something wonderfully attractive and winning in her expression the eyes deep-set like her father's had a frank soft look your only child and you lost her murmured olivia sympathetically my only daughter corrected mr gaythorne in a tone so peculiar that olivia raised her eyes and then she felt a little frightened there was a curious pallor on mr gaythorne's face which made it look like old ivory and his bushy eyebrows were drawn closely together 
it is a sweet face a dear face returned olivia hurriedly she was a little nervous over her mistake it is kind of you to show me this and i like to think her name was olive and then she closed the case reverently and put it back in his hands i must go now she said it has been such a lovely time and you have taught me so much will you send for me again when you want to see me i think that is best it would be such a pity for me to disturb you when you felt tired or disinclined for visitors you are my only visitor returned mr gaythorne in his old grim manner the vicar's wife what is the woman's name forced her way in one day but i do not think her reception pleased her the vicar himself is an honest man i have given him a hint that he will be welcome if he comes alone but no bustling prying vicarous for me oh poor mrs tolman well she is a little officious as marcus calls her and i know she often sets aunt madge's nerves on edge oh by the way i intend to send mrs broderick some more flowers will it be a trouble to you to take them or shall one of the lasses carry them straight to her house oh no please let me have the pleasure of taking them if you had only seen aunt madge's delight she wrote me a pretty sort of note returned mr gaythorne but tell her not to do that again gratitude is for favours to come you may remind her of that does she always sign her name in that fashion margaret broderick widow yes always it is one of aunt madge's whimsies but you will never get her to alter it does not sound badly but it is certainly unique how would it answer if one were to follow her example john alwyn gaythorne widower and here mr gaythorne gave a short sardonic laugh marcus oh marcus exclaimed olivia coming into the room in her breezy fashion i have so much to tell you mr gaythorne is a widower and he has lost his only daughter and her name was olivia and that is why he has taken to me because i remind him of her but checking herself as she caught sight of her husband's face you have something to tell me too only that they sent for me from fairfax lodge that is that ivy-covered house next to gavelston house a child taken suddenly with croup i have been there most of the afternoon then olivia clapped her hands with a little exclamation of delight marcus's tone had been quite cool and matter-of-fact but there was a glint of satisfaction in his eyes the tide had turned at last End of chapter 6